For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the PGA DraftCast brought to you by WindDailySports.com. Just a quick reminder that WindDaily Sports doesn't just cover golf. They cover the NFL, the NHL, MLB, NBA, soccer, MMA, NASCAR, you name the sport. WindDaily Sports has projection models, optimizers, articles, and our famous Discord chat to cover it all. Now, if you click the promo link below and you type in Win Big or Green, you will get one week free of WindDaily. And then after that, it is just $5.99 per week for all of that, including some of our betting content. Now, let's get to the PGA DraftCast, where we have proven track records with Joel, Spencer, David, and myself. Let's have some fun. Get in the chat. Make sure you subscribe to the page, and make sure you hit the like button. Let's do this snake draft. Let's do the PGA DraftCast. Let's do it right now. PGA Nation! We are back and we've made it. We've made it to East Lake, the tour championship. It's been a grind. It's been a grind all season. A pretty profitable season on our front, if I do say so myself. It's been fun. But before we hang him up for this season, we got one big week left. Now, probably don't need me to tell you if you're watching our show, you probably know already this week is pretty unique and that it is the last week it's the tour championship there's only 30 golfers and not everyone is starting from the same spot so it is a tiered approach and that the leaders you know scotty hovland are going to start already under par we're not going to go through where everyone's starting and do the whole breakdown but before you put lineups in you should know where people are just know like obviously scotty shuffler is going to have a big advantage already having 10 strokes on the on the field right Victor Hovland is also right up there, Rory, all those guys. So that's a reason why the pricing is also pretty unique this week in that you'll see some 13K guys, you'll see some guys in the 5K range because they're taking those extra strokes into account. So with all that being said, I'm still pretty excited for this week to see how this season kind of plays out, the story championship plays out. Spence, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Um, I see Edward Gale in the chat, and I was talking to Nick Brettwish. We just held an underdog draft, and I believe Edward got the number one pick, and I tried to send out an offer out there that if anybody took Jason Day with the 101, I would front their buy-in. 
Edward got the one-on-one. Didn't take Jason Day, so very disappointed there with Edward. Yeah, it's a questionable move because there's if you just took him, then you couldn't have lost. It would have been impossible to lose. But uh, Edward's got bigger plans, so I like it. David, how you doing tonight? I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm very excited that we have um, team audience have kicked Sia to the curb. Finally, they've seen the light. They've realized that they need some new leadership in. Um, much like Jay Monaghan might get rolled, Sia's been rolled, and I'm looking forward to captioning <laughs> team audience and guiding them to victory this week. There you have it. Breaking news. Sia couldn't make it tonight. We will miss him. He'll be back next week, but David will be drafting with team audience. Now, because there's only three... 30 golfers. We're going to do a three-man draft instead of four. Um, I, we might have trouble actually making four full lineups within the salary cap if we did four, so we kind of have to do three. So the draft order is going to go Spencer, congratulations, got the win last week, Dick and Victor Hovland. Um, I'm going to go second, and David Audience will be going third. Same rules as always, snake draft. Um, you have to stay within your DraftKings budget. Before we dive into it, Spencer – Tell us what you're, what you're looking for on the course this week at Eastlake. Yeah, Eastlake is a really challenging test that does ensure that everyone earns their payday. It, it does so by creating this complicated layout that provides very few opportunities to score. And that's kind of the biggest takeaway that I could find here. So the part three and four locations are long. You will notice this trend where golfers that do compete for the title usually do a solid job of keeping their scorecards clean until they get to the two par five holes at the track. Uh, you know, we talk about it a lot, or I talk about it a lot during the section, how when you do get a reduction from four par fives to two, you sometimes get the, the impact minimized in that regard, but that doesn't necessarily play into account here. So most of the scoring, when we look at the person who's won the FedEx Cup, has come on the par fives. Rory McIlroy gained nearly 53% of his scoring at those two locations in 2019. Dustin Johnson was at 55%. Cantlay, uh, 72%. McIlroy last year, 53%. So... I, all of that kind of leads me to believe that we don't have the most accessible venue. Uh, if you're trying to play catch up, it's kind of one of those situations to where you, you can make up ground, but it's not one of those events. Like to me, I, I wish that the tour championship was held somewhere else. If we were going to do this start, uh, the staggered start to this, just because I do think it's so difficult. It doesn't mean that somebody can't win from down the pack. I just think it makes it much more unlikely for that to happen. But um for me, it pretty much came down to how do you score on the par fives? How do you pr uh, protect your score on these lengthier par threes and fours? And uh, obviously for DFS, that makes us a different decision of what we're trying to attack here. But I, I think it's going to be a fun board for us to run through tonight. It is going to be fun. One thing I, I want to highlight, I'm sure we'll touch on again through the draft, because again, there's only 30 golfers and some of them are starting with a big advantage as they already have are starting under par. The ownership is going to be just wild this week, right? Like some guys are going to be full, close to 40% owned, you know, before the tournament even it starts, right? It's not even like a Sunday showdown leader. It's like you got four days and you're already, you know, in the lead. So it, it kind of has some similarities to that. Um, and also because there's only 30 guys. So, you know, you have to have uh, – ownership has to be condensed to some extent. So playing ownership and the strategy from that front is just going to be different this week than normal. Um, and it's definitely something you're going to have to take into account if you're, especially if you're playing these in the big GPPs, because there's going to be overlay. There just has to be. There's not enough guys for there not to be. So being unique and different, like leaving more money on the table than normal, those types of things are certainly viable strategies this week. But with that being said, let's go ahead and pull the draft board up. 
Um, as a reminder, I will reiterate, it's going to go Spencer, me, and then David and audience third. Because, Spencer, you won. Give another plug, another reminder to congratulate you on the big victory. Go ahead. You are on the clock. So I don't know if this is what I was planning to do 30 minutes ago. And then I kind of thought about it. Obviously, there's three of us drafting here. And, and I'm trying to make picks to help anybody in any contest that they're doing. But I think from an optimal game theory route, it's too difficult for me not to start with Scotty Scheffler this week. So I'm going to go to the top. I'm going to take Scheffler. I know there's ownership there. I really like Rory McIlroy, but it was hard for me to stomach. Rory uh, has a higher projected ownership in my model. He's only $400 cheaper. He can give me a three-shot lead. That equates right now to 12 points. Markets out there are in that plus 140, plus 150-ish range for him to win the event. Um, don't know if I necessarily believe he's going to win. That being said, I'm going to take him here. I just think that this is the savviest way to start a build, and, and I'll go from there. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting is I obviously probably would have taken Scheffler, but I always take Scheffler, so that's that's no surprise there. Um, but what I find interesting is as I'm looking at this first pick, you know, one of the first things I thought was it feels like you kind of have to start with one of what I'm considering for myself at least the big three, right? And, I, and I'm going to include Hovland in that big three for this week because of where he's starting. Um, obviously, you know, there's not a lot of things, there's nothing bad I'm going to say ever about Scheffler. This week, he certainly makes a lot of sense starting with the lead, he's the best player in the world. Um, you don't really have to convince anyone of why they want to play Scotty Scheffler. I think the only thought process I have is can you, can either of you, I guess my question will be, can either of you envision a world where you're building lineups that don't have any of Scotty, Hovland, or Rory? Yes. I, I would agree with that. I think from, like, if you're playing in really large field contests, I think from a game theory route there, it is interesting there is a, a lot of names, and I don't want to start just rattling them off right now, but I, I do think that there's hidden win equity in some of these options, and I also think that there's a, a contrarian route that comes from taking those names. So uh, I, I do think it's a savvy thing to at least consider in the back of your mind. If I'm building out 150 lineups, there's going to be a good handful that will go that route. There you have it. I like it. Certainly a, a way to get different. Um for the purpose of what we're doing here today, that is not what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead here. I'm going to think Rory McIlroy. Um, listen, it's a coin flip to me between Scotty, Rory, and I'm going to, like I said, I'm throwing Hoblin into that mix too for, for the purpose of this tournament. But I'm going to go with Rory for a few reasons. I think over the last month, maybe even six weeks, Rory's been probably the best golfer. And, you know, Scheffler has been very good too, but Rory's been playing a little bit better. And we know Rory likes Eastlake, right? He's come out here and done it multiple times before. There's a course that he's comfortable on. I think those two things, as good as Rory's playing at a place he likes, even saving the $400, um, I'm happy to, to have Rory have fallen to me here at the second day. How about you, uh, David? Are you playing Rory at all this week? Uh, I mean, obviously. Um, kind of, you have, you have to play Rory this week. I, I guess to touch on what you were mentioning of like the, the big three, I mean, bear in mind the big three typically is Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy, and, and John Rahm, right? And then Victor Hovland, I'd say, is on the verge or on the cusp of making a big four in the, the world of professional golf at the moment. Um, and I think that there's um, some other sneaky options just further down the board that could potentially. 
I mean, bear in mind, Rory McIlroy won this from six shots back um, on on one occasion and five shots back on another occasion. So it has been done before, and those finishing points are only um, good enough if they materialize at the end of the tournament, not at the beginning. So um, I think there's definitely routes that you can go um, to get a little bit different. Leaving money on the table is a very, very good option. Um, but yeah, I'll certainly be building some contrarian lineups just in case as well. Majority are probably going to start the way that you guys have um, because that's the obvious um, way to build. That is the most likely outcome. But if you're looking to get a bit different, then I think there's um, some avenues you can go um, avoiding those guys at the top of the board. I can see we've got a first um, pick in as well. While the, the audience gets a second pick, I have a question for you. I need some convincing. And here's where I need convincing. I 100% can see someone sneaking up the leaderboard and winning a tournament that's not part of the big three. Very much so. But what I'm having a hard time envisioning and, and I want to be talked out of is I can't envision all three of them falling out of the top three and not being at least in a winning lineup at the top of the leaderboard. And that's where I get stuck where I'm like, yes, I can see it maybe not being the winner, but it's hard for me to envision all three of them playing so badly they're not even part of the winning lineup or within that leaderboard. What about you guys? Do you think that's a possibility? I'll start with you, David. Um, I don't want to give too many names away here and ruin the audience's contest, but I'm going to, you know, looking at the others who are on the highest starting strokes, like, for example, if you went like a John Rahm, Lucas Glover build, um, and then you're freeing up a ton of salary cap further down the board, you could even potentially get like a Max Homer in there as well, right? And so then you've got potentially a winner, say John Rahm comes through or Lucas Glover completes the, the fairy tale and comes through and somehow wins this, then you are going to be completely different to a lot of other people. You're going to be avoiding a lot of the chalk down the bottom um, with some of those 5K guys that those people who are building a Scheffler, Rory McIlroy, Poblin kind of start are going to have to go to those 5K guys to, to build as well. So um, I think it opens up some um, interesting spots in the middle where um, it's just very difficult for people to get to when they're building with a Scheffler, McIlroy kind of start. That's a good point. You can't be totally balanced with playing one of the big guys with these with these prices. So I, I, mean, I think it's I actually think it's okay for us to discuss names. Like we're gonna all have our unique builds that we're going to take. Like obviously, right now, I would say Joel and I are in the most similar position with this. But with that being said, I don't think anybody can probably afford any of the names that you just mentioned, David. Like it's gonna be very difficult to go that route. For me, it would be Rom, Cantlay, Glover. I think those are the three names where you just immediately can either make yourself different or provide legitimate win equity uh, from where you're trying to grab them. So those are kind of those three names that I'm going to be mixing and matching more so than others. But um, I'm not so sure any of us, with any of the routes we've gone, will be able to afford that now. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. I love it. Um, a lot of strategy this week. Very, It's a very strategic week. That's the only way in a 30-man field that you're going to be able to be unique to take down a big GPP. Um, I'm stalling because I'm stuck between two players on this pick. Well, before before we get to that, should we? I think we just need to correct the audience. It looks like actually went Henley than Xander for me um, over Hovland. And I probably actually would have rather that the audience went Hovland there. But um, this will definitely be a contrarian build if we go that route. Um, so I see um, Stephen put in Xander and then Ivan um, before um, Silent Assassin backed up on the um, the Hovland pick. 
Contrarian, listen, I like it. You got to be different. I really like Hemley this week. I think he makes a lot of sense, especially at 8,300. I think that's just a really good price for him. Um, Xander, I'll be honest, is not someone I was going to listen. I can certainly see Xander having a really good week. It's not out of the question that he's a great golfer. Not someone that I was really on. I was playing to the other guys, but that's the point, right? Like, if you're not playing him, you get a Xander at a low ownership. You know he's capable of going nuclear. That's how you get different in this smaller field. So I think it's a strategically, it's a wise move. What's a you, Spencer? Are you on Henley or Xander? I really like Henley this weekend. I've been making the argument on almost every single show that I've been on that Zach Johnson isn't going to do this. I think he should make the Ryder Cup. I think he's the perfect fit uh, for all the reasons that we won't talk about on this show, but he has the accuracy and, you know, he has all that what you're looking for. I think he's a savvy pick. I think from a, I, I think David and I both have him as a 72 hole bet to be the low scorer in this event. I think that's a really savvy way to play him. Xander, I'm not exactly sure about just because there's going to be a lot of ownership for what he has done historically at this tournament. The metrics aren't necessarily grading as well as they typically do for me. Like if I'm directly comparing, I keep going back to the answer. I'd probably rather take Cantlay to him. Um, but I don't, I don't hate the pick. I mean, he's inside the top seven of my model. I like it. I think again, this is where the strategy comes into play. And I think that's a really good one. So good start by the audience. And what you've also done is made it easy for me to decide what I was stuck between by taking neither and going with Victor Hovland. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to start with the chalk. I'm going to play that game. The problem with this lineup is in a big GPP, it's almost like, honestly, almost however I finish this lineup is going to be duplicated because there's only so many options. So it's going to be chalky. I just can't not make it chalky. But against the two of you in this draft, you can't do that. So I should be okay in this setting. But yes, in a big GPP, this is going to be a duplicated lineup just because there's only so many things you can do with it. So um, I'm playing this as basically more of a cash game lineup because I have no other option. But but I like, obviously, the play, Victor Hovland, where he's starting, the way he's playing. Again, not much I need to say to, to justify drafting Victor Hovland here. So we'll move on. Spence, you got two here. You already got Scheffler. What direction are you going next? This feels like I'm starting to go in a really chalk-filled sense here with these picks, um, which I guess is one of the unfortunate things is when you start with Scheffler, certain builds start becoming much easier to make, and that's why everybody lands in the same exact area. I'm going to go with maybe who's going to be the most popular pick on the board. I will take Sungjae Im at 8,500. Uh, I think this is a nice spot for him to be able to try to shoot himself up the leaderboard. He's going to be very popular. I think the Scheffler Sungjae route is probably going to be one of the most likely scenarios that people take. And then um, I'm going to pass on what ends up being the most popular name next to him. And I think this is another name that David and I are both on this week. I like Siwoo Kim for the value that you're getting at 7,200. The recent tee to green places him inside the top 10 of my model. You could say that there's some problems with the fast Bermuda surface if you're trying to find the putting for him, but it's been good on Donald Ross courses. I, I think he has the ability to obviously spike on any given day and work himself up the leaderboard. And it, it's a nice spot for him when you directly compare him to a lot of the players next to him. Like, He's the lowest priced player at two under par. Um, to me, that's intriguing. At least that you're kind of already getting a built-in total there at an ownership that isn't necessarily vastly different 
from anybody else in that range. Like I, I see Hatton and Spieth and, you know, Sam Burns more popular than him right now. And I would rather, at least ownership being included, rather play Siwoo Kim. There you have it. I mean, I think it's, it's a very good point. Um, again, I like the strategy and thought process behind Camry. I think it's almost a way to be a little different in that range from the little bit more popular guys. Um, I like Sung Jay a lot. He's going to be very popular, like you said. Um, but he's playing really well. And at 8,500, he, he makes sense also. What say you, David? Are you on Siwoo or Sung Jay? Uh, yeah, so I mean, as Spencer mentioned in my write up um, yesterday on the, the tournament, and spoke pretty extensively about Siwoo Kim. Um, the links to Sedgefield, obviously, in the Wyndham Championship has immaculate record around that course. Donald Ross design as well. Um, the driving accuracy that comes with Siwoo Kim as well. Also, typically, the, the putters the week, um, the week club in the bag for him. And this actually, in terms of the putting surfaces, has proven to be one of the easier on the PGA Tour in terms of um, putting in the way that it has as a predictor of success. You're far better to be in the middle of the fairway with these narrow, tree-lined fairways, water substantially in play on six holes, um, and he'll keep the ball in play. And then if you can get hot with um, the approach, play and just make a few parts you could um, very easily jump up the board i'll also add that you've got sunshine and seaweed both at minus two in each of the four years that this tournament has featured starting strokes five players start at minus two and at least one has finished in the top five at every single tournament over the last four years so don't be afraid of jumping down to those guys who are minus two minus one because if they have um if they have a week you know and they get their four rounds together they can both accumulate a bunch of birdies, but earn some of those finishing points for you. There you have it. Makes sense. Certainly a good strategy there. Um, all right. I like it. Now, for me, it's obvious. Uh, there's probably only 10 guys I can even take at this point, right, for me to make this line of work. My options are narrowed. I'm going to take a guy who I've been playing really well recently. I've been playing a lot of recently, uh, and that's Emiliano Grillo. At 5,700, getting him under 6K, he's probably my favorite super value. And by super value, that means someone who's under 6K. Um, with this hot putter that he has now, you know he can get hot with the ball striking. I think he, this sets up for him to be able to potentially have a really big reek and climb up the leaderboard while also allowing me to still fit Hovland and Rory in my lineup. How about you, Spence? Are you looking at Grillo at all this week? I'm probably not going to play him, Joel. I kind of worried a little bit about the upside that he possessed. Like, obviously, you're starting at the bottom of the pack and you got to work your way up. But 28th in my model for weighted scoring. I didn't love the uh, metrics that he put together from a scrambling sense. Like, I, I understand the injury. And, like, the part of the answer to this even more so, I mean, what do you realistically have here? Like, four or five names that you can really pick from? They all have downside choices to them. There's probably one I would prefer over the rest, but uh, you're splitting hairs between most of those names in reality. You have it. Agreed. Um, and I think another point thing to realize, and you also have, obviously, the biggest portion of this is picking right, right? Picking a guy to be different who sucks doesn't do you any good. You got to get the guy right. But another big portion of it is if you're, if your thought process, which is not for me because I happen to like Ray a lot, but if your thought process is, I'm kind of dumpster diving and I got to find one of these low end guys and I don't really have that much confidence in anybody. I just got to pick one at that point, picking the lower ownership probably makes the most sense just to give yourself that advantage 
Um, but don't just pick the low ownership just to do it, right? It's really got to come from some sort of strategy, some sort of thought process. And if you can't pick, then the ownership be the tiebreaker is how I go about it. But I like Rio, so I'm picking him not for ownership because I like him. Um, all right, audience, get your nominations in. Let's see, there's already a few guys out there, David. What do you see? Yeah, I just I just wanted to to speak a little bit before the audience starts drafting because I think that here, audience, we want to be a little bit tactical, right? Because I think I agree with what Danny's saying here, but the reality is is that Joel and Spencer cannot go up and afford that player. So let's go a bit further down the board here. Let's limit Spencer's and Joel's options. Let's put them on tilt um, and take someone from underneath their feet. So. For example, if Grio's off the board, maybe we look at like a step striker here. I think's got a tremendous upside and a very low um, price um, would free up some salary for us to go back up the board to some of those guys that um, have been spoken about already in the chat. So that's my two cents in advice and strategy in my leadership role as captain of um, audience, as it's called now. Don't listen to him, audience. Just go ahead. And- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I'm going to take that as a second from from Sierra on striker, unless we we get any dissent from the the team audience in a second. If they're going to chuck some names out there, I guess one thing. Well, I'll just pedal for a bit while we're waiting. Yep. So striker is the first one, which is great. Um, I, I do want to reiterate what Joel's just said in that. For me, Grio and Striker are the best options down there and also likely to be the most owned. Like, you could very well see um, a case where you've got Rory McIlroy, Victor Hovland, Miliana Grillo, Sep Striker, and have 500 other teams that also have those first four guys and you've only then got two players that you're trying to differentiate yourself on. So I agree with it from a cash-building kind of um, perspective, but in a GPP, I do think you're going to have to get different. You might have to go to a Nick Taylor and get uncomfortable um, and just, I guess, weighing up, you know, how much worse is Nick Taylor than Sepp Striker or how much worse is Nick Taylor to Miliano Grio? Um, if it's giving you something different, if that guy pops, um, you could could um, find a way to get a little bit contrarian further down the board there. I like that. Um... Cool. It looks like it is Strucker and Tom Kent, um, which I think is uh, an interesting way to build. I think both have tremendous upside, both taking the box on the driving accuracy front, um, both very good with the long lines as well. And as Spencer alluded to, you, you do get a disproportionate number of shots here with 200 plus yards. Um, about 35% of the player's strokes come from, from that length. That's a combination of some of the longest par threes on the PGA Tour, but also the fact that players are going to be climbing down a little bit just given the thin, thinness of these fairways, the danger that you can find um, from not just the rough but the trees and the water that's in play and well. And both these guys are going to keep it in play and it frees up a ton of salary for us, which I really like too. There you have it. Good pick. Um, I like Tom Kim a lot. Um, I just mainly because I think I think his ownership is going to have to remain relatively calm because people are going to be spending up. It's just going to be hard to fit guys like him in with a Rory and Hovland and Scheffler in your lineup. Um, Tom Kim's been playing well. I, I like the, where his game's at. I certainly think he has plenty of upside in this tournament. Um, and for the same reasons that David just mentioned, I think Straka certainly makes sense at 5,400, who with, if you're looking for an upside guy here um, in this range, I think Straka, like, like David says, Straka and Greer are the two 
most upside guys that, that you're dumpster diving for. What about you, Spence? Are you playing either Kim or Straka? Yes to Kim. I I understand the intrigue around Straka. Like, like to me, that's more of the upside answer than Griot would be. Uh, I worry about his floor for a handful of reasons, but there are so many names down there that, I mean, I built my model this week in a way where it didn't necessarily, I built it two ways. One that took starting strokes into account. And the second way that didn't take starting strokes into account. If you go down into that, you know, 5,700 and below range, every single one of those players ranked outside of the top 25 for me. So um, there are upside answers that are better than other ones. So I don't know if I'm going to necessarily get there on Straka, but I do like Tom Kim this week. There you have it. I like it. Um, all right. I got my work cut out for me. My strategy keeps changing pick by pick. But there's one guy I'm locked into here as, as a cheaper option that I'm going to take now and figure out the last two picks after. Uh, and that's Adam Schenk. Uh, he's another guy who, uh, listen, I don't think he has as much upside as the others. But with four days of scoring, I think Adam Schenk, we've seen him get one of those hot days where he goes, you know, five, six under. One of those days with a guaranteed four rounds, I think is enough scoring for this at 5,200. I think Adam Schenk's playing really well right now. I want to lock him in and then figure out how to balance out the last two picks from there. How about you, Spence? I'm assuming the answer is no based on what you've said already, but you're looking at Schenk at all this week. Schenk was the answer that was yes for me. That's what I was trying to build around. Um, He is my favorite play, I would say, down in that section, and that's where I was going to go next to make sure I could build this the way I wanted. Um, I, I mean, I, I might be the person that can't afford a lineup when this is all said. <laughs> well, um, you got two right now, and you're going to need to make strategic picks because you need to be able to afford a lineup. So what direction are you going here? I already know how this is going to end is the problem. Like, and, and I pick last. Like, I already know how this is ending for me. Um I mean, I guess I'll, I'll just do it and it'll be a first in show history, but I will go with first. And this is just such a chalky lineup. I'll go with Terrell Hatton. I do think that the price tag is too cheap for him. I mean, there's a reason why the ownership is trending there. And then I will go with Tommy Fleetwood. I think he has absolutely nothing to lose down here. He's going to be firing at pins for four days. Don't think he can necessarily win the tournament with where he stands, but um, I think this is a really nice setup for him. Like I could give a similar argument that I kind of gave with some of these other players to where it's not the greatest fit of a Donald Ross course, but there's a lot to like about him. Yeah. I mean, I honestly was planning on taking Hatton. Um, I was probably going to take with my last pick. I decided that I could pivot off of him. So I didn't, and now he's gone. So um, I certainly understand the pick. I think people are going to come off Hatton a little bit from ownership perspective because he wasn't playing his best golf the last couple of weeks, but he's not that far removed from really good golf. It's not that long ago. And it's almost like we always say on the show, it's almost what you want for people to kind of have a short memory and only remember last week when we were to forget three weeks ago, he was, he was playing great golf. And I think that upside and that player is still in him. That could definitely show up on the course this week. What say you, David? Um, 
I don't know why it's his mystery pick on the board, but <laughs> we got. I mean, I can't reveal my salary at this point. Ah, uh, I see. <laughs> oh. Um, I think yeah, Tommy Fleetwood for me out of those two is intriguing. I think what we've seen with Tommy Fleetwood the last six months is consistently putting himself in contention and then crumbling under the pressure of a Sunday finish. And he's kind of, I mean, he's on the cusp of being in contention. If he went out and had four amazing days, there's a small reality where he could get to the top level. It's highly unlikely. So the chances are is that he can go out there, play freely, none of that pressure, um, that he's been crumbling under the Sunday, and I, I put him up as a um, 70, 72 hole and um, lower score as a as a result of that. If that pressure's off, but he can just go out and play freely, and he's playing very very good golf until it gets to Sunday afternoon. So you have, I mean, I, we've seen that, right? And I think in his defense, what I'll say is for this week. It's highly unlikely that he's really going to be in contention on Sunday because of the advantage of the leaderboard already. That you know, maybe he can, maybe he'll play better knowing that he's not going to win the tournament and there's less pressure on him, and that won't be as big of a factor as it is on those Sundays where he's you know in the top two or three and he tends to not play very well in that situation. So I'm I'm grasping at straws trying to defend him because I like Tommy, but um, yeah, point point is definitely well taken there. All right. Um, all right. So my next pick here, I'm going to go with, well, my, my strategy here, not that well thought through. It's just the best I can do at this point is going to be Sam Burns. And the reasoning for it is he's the best player at the lowest price point. And so I need to save salary so I can get a good player at 6,100. You know, we saw Sam have a one day last week where he went absolutely nuclear. Other than that, he was mediocre. Um, if you can repeat something similar with a one nuclear day in a mediocre week, that should be good enough here at 6,100. So, um, again, I don't love Burns this week, but for what I have to do to build this lineup, um, I think he makes sense over some of these other guys who are priced similar. What about you, Spencer? Are you on Burns at all? I mean, this is outlandish behavior right now from David in the chat. <laughs> I've done what I'm about. Amazing. I, I'm probably not on Sam Burns this week. I think he's going to be very popular because of the Bermuda Burns answer that everybody's going to want to talk about. Um, so I'm not going to be playing him. I do think the audience should take Nick Taylor and really make this draft get interesting. But David, before we do that, are you on Sam Burns at all? Yeah, I think he's got decent upside. I think we started to see his, his um, form turn around. This is kind of last chance to learn for him to prove himself at the Ryder Cup as well, right? So um, I don't think he'll be holding back whatsoever. He'll be getting out there and getting incredibly aggressive and trying to make the most of it um, as he comes in. So, yeah, very tempted um, here with team audience to to create a situation where one of the lineups only ends up with five players and takes itself out of contention. I think, though, um, in the interest of fairness and the unique format that we had this week, that as tempting as it is as audience, we probably shouldn't do that because it also means that um, we're going to leave a ton of salary on the table and it wouldn't give us that many options um, up top as well. I'll also say this just as a point. like I I mean, if that's what you guys want to do, it, it it's fine with me. You're grabbing the worst player on the board. Like, I don't want to be in this spot. I wanted Adam Schenk. Like, I had this 
very specifically built to try to get Adam Shank at the end. And uh, obviously that's not going to come to fruition for me now, but I do think Taylor is the, the worst commodity that you can grab on this board. Now, let me ask you this. What do you think is easier to win to beat one person with the worst player or to beat two people without the worst player? <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> I'm totally joking. Don't take Nick Taylor. Because I'm going to next. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do we have the picks in? Can I make a with the situation we're in here, can I make a pitch for Lucas Clubber? Because um I, I, I can see that I've got, I know Danny's on board with him. Steven said Lucas Glover as well. Um, look, I just, I have a feeling that Lucas is going to go very, very missed this week, and probably rightly so, right? You've got Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy, Victor Hovland, and John Rahm ahead of him. I mean, the, the big four in golf uh, are getting starting strokes on him, and he's going to have to go there, out there and beat them all. But the more I look at it, I'm going, there's correlation here to the Wyndham Championship, Sedgefield, Donald Ross design, Lucas Glover won the year this year. There's correlation here to TPC Southwind. There's, there's always the freeways. It's narrow. Driving accuracy is important. It's Bermuda grass greens. Lucas Glover also won the year. He's had a good record at both of those tournaments previously as well. And last week at Olympia Fields just was not the right set up for Lucas Glover. It was it's not the type of course where he's going to perform well. He needs something where driving distance is going to be taken out of play a little bit, as it is here. Driving accuracy becomes far more important. Um and yeah, I think the only concern for me is that whether he was burnt out a bit, would that's what basically last week we're gonna to have to find out whether is he was starting to burn out after um an incredibly hot run and two back to back victories or whether it was a case of the course not serving him properly. And, but I do think there's a viable chance that it was that second option. So um, that is my Lucas Glover pitch. And he's a South Carolina guy through and through, born in South Carolina, still lives in the same town, went to college in South Carolina. So he knows the region well. This is where he, he grew up playing golf. So I think he's, I think he's sort of sneaky. And I, I suspect his ownership is going to be comparatively a lot lower than um, many people think. I think people have gone off and... Um, and um, perhaps not correctly so. I'm worried about how much fluid he's going to lose because if it's hot this week, <laughs> the amount of sweat <laughs> that he's going <laughs> to... All right. The audience, the nominations are slow. Let's say you're going to have to pick somebody here. I, I will say, in your defense, I love the Lucas Glover pick. I think Lucas Glover is a really nice, sneaky play this week. Um we we talked about this off air last week where none of us thought it was the best course setup for Lucas Glover. And it, the I think we all wanted him to finish even worse than he did. And now all of a sudden he comes to Eastlake and you kind of get the ideal setup for him to find success. I think this is a really good tournament for him. Like I know he's played a lot of golf in a row. And if that's the argument that you want to make, I understand that with his age, but uh, with the accuracy that he brings here and, and the skill set that he has for Eastlake, I do really like him. And what Spencer's doing here is he realizes that if you guys take Rom, he is really in trouble. So he may hey, I already I already <laughs> have a pick in mind. If I need to end this with Webb Simpson, I'm okay. Okay, that's fair. That's a good point. Yeah, someone suddenly withdraw, withdraws and they have to sub someone as a 31st girlfriend to the field. Yeah, so I think look, I I think 
based on that, I mean, Ivan's right. The other three guys are down the bottom of, uh, out of play for us if we take John Rahm. So I think out of fairness and my lean being Lucas Glover, um, for me, John Rahm, I mean, last week looked broken. Um, I was willing to give him kind of a hall pass the first time around, but um, he didn't look good last week. He, he really didn't. And um, I feel that this is a good test here for Lucas Glover. So let's put Glover on the board and then... Um, We'll see what we've got kind of um, salary-wise. I think that puts us in a range where we can go someone like Keegan Bradley or we can go Corey Connors um, as options there. Corey Connors starts on minus two, I believe, Keegan Bradley at minus three. So um, those are both in play. Um, Connors perhaps has more upside, but he does have the deficit of one extra stroke to, to overcome there as well. I love. I already said my my take on Lucas Glover. I think he's a really good player. Like I will be playing a lot of him. Obviously, once I started Rory Hovland, he he kind of was no longer an option for me. But I think that's a good pick. What about you, Spence? Yeah, I, I think I think Glover is one of the more intriguing options on the board. And you know, I, I will say I, I do find Rom to be also an intriguing choice. Um, I, I don't. I mean, if the audience does decide to go that way, it's fine. Yeah, and but that's the point, right? Is as soon as you start with Scheffler or McElroy or Ram or Candlelay, you just cannot get to Lucas Glove. Like you can't get there in terms of the salary that you're going to end up having to to eat as a result. So um, that's why I just think he's a really nice contrarian player. And um, speaking of contrarian, this this lineup is going to be very contrarian. We've gone with um, Colin Marikawa with um, like Ed it. and Sia in the chat as well, um, and Silent Assassin and. For me, if you're building a Contrarian GPP lineup, like this is it, right? You've got Lucas Glover, who, who's got enough um, starting strokes to be there or thereabouts with the top of the lead, the same with Xander Schauffele. And then you've got four guys who on their day can go out here and absolutely blitz this course, move up the leaderboard, not only get some of those finishing points, but obviously rack up a ton more birdies as well. Um, I think it's a really consistent build in terms of the golfer profile that we've looked for as well, um, all accurate drivers, which is going to be very, very important around here. And what can I say? I mean, um, C has come in as, as co-captain into team audience, but I'm very happy with the way that the audience are drafted following you guys taking Sheffield and McElroy off the board at the start. Yeah, you probably, if you're looking in large contests, you probably need Lucas Glover to win. I don't think it's an inconceivable route that can take place. Um, for that reason, personally, I probably still prefer Cantley over Xander. I need, I know I keep going back to that, but if you can give me an extra stroke, like I, I would really like that build there because then I think you have some extra win equity that enters the mix. But uh, Xander's not technically out of it. I mean, he's probably the one of the last names that has a tangible chance to capture this title. I, yeah, I, like, the, I like the audience's lineup a lot, especially in a GPP where it will be unique and different. So... I think you guys did a really good job there. Yeah. I think that's a good point. I think if we were to redraft this team again, you could swap shelf life for a Cantlay, as you said, or even a Max Homer we could get up to. And um, that would obviously mean we're not as different, not leaving so much on the table. But then uh, for me, that gives you two really viable um, win options that are in touching distance of the leaders if those at the top don't go out and, and shoot low. Um, they can come back to the field in three holes. You know, they can have a couple of double bogeys and suddenly that um, lead is, is vanished and it's um, it's all game on for me. Oh. 
Um, all right, so with my last pick here, I'll be honest, I wanted to, going into this pick, leave a lot of money on the table, um, and that would be my way of getting the lineup different. The way this shook out, the guys I was planning to take are gone, and I'm not going to leave any money on the table. Unfortunately, it didn't go the way I wanted to. I'm going to take Tony Fino here um, at 7,500. Do I love Fino? Not really, but I like him better than some of the other options that were available, and so... Because of that, I'm, I'm okay with Fina. I do think there's upside. His ball striking has been there. His, his short game has been pretty bad. Um, he's got to be able to find a way to make some putts and, and score well here. But with the ball striking there, I feel like it's more likely he can find a hot putter this week and, and fix that portion than playing a guy like Spieth, whose ball striking has been so bad that even though he looked good for a little bit recently, it's it's just not been with the ball striking. It's hard to find consistency doing that. So I, I have more – faith in Finau with the better ball striking. That's why I'm going to go this route. Obviously, my I'll be honest, I'll be the first one to tell you, my lineup is not the one you want to enter in a GPP because it's just not designed that way. I think, lineup, I think my lineup's a good lineup. I think you can play it in cash lineups. I think it'll do well, but it's not something you want to go after a big tournament with. And I think what happened to me, I wasn't planning to go this route. The nature of what we're doing by other players going – the guys that I would have taken in other spots that I would have gotten sneaky with were gone. So I had to kind of build this way. There's ways you can mix and match some of the guys we drafted tonight and have a different looking lab with the same players that would probably be better for a big tournament than the way this went. But um, overall, I think my team, for just having to beat the two of you, is good enough to do that, which is all I really need to do. So um, I'm happy with the way this turned out. Obviously, Spence, your last pick is taken, but go ahead. Um, explain why you were forced into the last bit. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think Nick Taylor is the worst player on the board. Um, I don't really have much good to say about him. It's kind of just how this worked out. And I think if we're talking about trying to get different and unique here, I would say at least with yours, Joel, you do have the Rory Hovland start. You have some differentiating qualities with Finau there. Uh, I think mine is the most standard build that you could see with the Scheffler. Like it's going to be Scheffler and Hatton are going to be super popular together. Sungjae is going to be thrown into that mix. Um, I don't really think there's very un- many unique natures for me and mine. Um, don't don't love my build in in retrospect with the way that this came out, but I, I think it's fine for this contest. Like it, it's like I built a cash game lineup essentially. And I think if, would, if I were to draw back and look at this draft as a whole, I would say the David audience lineup is the best lineup for a GPP. For a Agreed. big tournament. Yeah. But, and then I would say Spencer and my lineups are better for a small tournament or cash game. Um, how I would play them. It's very hard to, in the over the course of a draft like this, be able to get all your guys. So things kind of broke differently than we maybe would have done had this not been a draft style. But overall, I think all three teams are good teams. And I think all three teams are teams that will score well. It's just roster construction is more important this week than the normal week because of the layout and structure of the tournament. With that being said, we're not done yet. Give us a follow. Hit the like button. Last week of the year, you're going to want to be around to see who the winner was. And just because it's the last week of the FedEx Cup, it's not the last golf tournament of the year. We'll be back, I think, in two weeks, a new tournament, um, doing another draft guest. It'll be a lot of fun. We'll also post these lines, and we'll, we'll crown the winner. So keep a lookout for that. But as I pull the draft board down and we get, and we wrap up tonight, we're going to do a segment. We will give either first-round leaders or matchup bets. 
I mean, for the first time, or maybe probably the only time all year, there's a guy negative odds to be the first round winner because of the unique nature of this. So um, it's not quite the same as doing first round as it normally would. So we're going to add a little twist to this to have some fun before we wrap up this evening. Uh, why don't we start with you, David? Are you giving a first round leader, leader play or a matchup play? Um, I'm going to give a matchup, but yeah, some exciting weeks coming out. As I said, it's a two week break until the, the Fortinet, but then also you've got the Ryder Cup. We're going to have an extremely special guest on for the BMW PGA Championship, which is one of the flagship events over the DP World Tour. You're going to see players like John Rahm, Matt Fitzpatrick, um, Shane Lowry playing there. Same with the Irish Open as well. Rory McIlroy is likely to be in that this year. So um, there's some exciting tournaments coming up as well, not just on the PGA Tour with their full season, but um, also on the DP World Tour. So we'll definitely have some more shows coming for you guys in the near future. So make sure you are subscribed, liking, putting the bell on, and following us on uh, Win Daily as well. Um, so matchup for me this week, I like Lucas Glover at plus 100 over Brian Harmon. Um, Brian Harmon's doing everything with the putter as he tends to do. And um, as I said, I think that Lucas Glover has just been, he's one of the hottest golfers in golf right now. Um, still absolutely desires to make that um, Ryder Cup team. He's got the advantage of having starting strokes over Brian Harmon as well. So he is starting further ahead. Um, and you're getting him at plus money at a course that should really suit him. He's had a very good record here. Um, just for the record, he's played here um, twice before, and that was before starting strokes even existed, before they had they dreamt up that starting strokes was the ideal way to begin a golf tournament um, for whatever reason. And he did very, very well. Um, so if I just pull that up, he played in two tournaments here at Eastlake. He had a 29th in 2019, and then prior to that, he'd had a 10th and an 8th. Um, so, and that was full, that was, you know, normal field, no signing strokes, um, clearly liked the place, decided and um, shown some aptitude for it. He also gained a ton of strokes putting, and that was before he switched to the broomstick um, putter. He's gained here um, putting three out of four appearances, um, and that was before he learned how to putt. Um, so, Pretty excited um, for his prospects this week. I think he's really sneaky. He could go under the radar a bit. I love it. I love it. I'm with that pick. I will co-sign and endorse. How about you, Spence? I guess I'll just run through my entire head-to-head card that I have right now. Uh, some of these numbers have moved, but I took Patrick Cantley minus 130 over Max Homa. That ballooned up. That's in like the 160 range now. Um, so that's a different bet. Siwoo Kim minus 120 over Sepp Straka. That was a round one bet that you couldn't find. And then I haven't officially placed it yet. I was hoping that the number was going to move in my favor here. Um, I like Lucas Glover minus 110 over Sam Burns for round one. Boom. There you have it. Um, I'm going to give you a first round leader play and a one matchup play. My matchup play that I like is going to be a guy I drafted. I really like Adam Shank this week. I'm going to take Shank over Nick Taylor. It's a coin flip, even odds. Um, as we've said, Nick Taylor is probably the worst player in the field. So I like Shank. I think there's a little edge there at even odds. It's it's for the tournament, that matchup. And then for, for my first-round leader, you know, realistically, it's going to be really hard to take anyone outside of the top three, maybe four, just because of the, of the starting point advantage. So obviously, Scheffler would be the preferred play, but I don't want to lay the negative odds on a first-round leader, so we're not going to go with Scheffler. Uh, but to have some fun with it, I'm going to take Rory at plus 450. You know, he's only three strokes back. We know Rory can get a hot day in round one. At plus 450 odds, I feel like he's really going to be competing with two other guys. So, worth taking that chance. 
Yeah, I, I probably would have considered that too. It's just, I didn't want to get that much exposure down for that wager. Um, I did the gimme with Jason Sobel today and that was the play I, I actually gave on the show there. I, I think that that's probably like the most savvy route to go. I agree with you. There's only so many names that have a chance. Maybe you can cut it off in that can't lay Glover sort of range if you want to go all the way down. But uh, it's a limited leaderboard. Like if Scheffler does what Scheffler is capable of doing, he immediately takes most of the names out of contention. So that's kind of what you have to keep in mind. That's the scary thing about it. It's like Scheffler doesn't even have to be great, right? And like Scheffler just has to be okay. If Scheffler goes like three or four under, it's going to be really hard to catch him just the fear of fact that he already has the lead. And, you know, we all know Scheffler going three or four under isn't like shocking. It's just a, that's just another day for Scotty. So uh, it does make it tough to make that bet. But that's where, you know, you can have some fun with it if you want to get some plus odds. And if, if someone if someone has some real a real set of kahunas, then go ahead and take Scotty to lay the odds and be the first round leader. Not that's not a bet I like, but uh, I can certainly understand it. I do like your matchup, though. I do want to throw that out there. All right, I appreciate it. We got some winners this week. It's going to be a fun week. The Tour Championship. It's a big week. A lot of money on the line. More so for the professional players than for us. But, hey, we're making money, too. It's going to be a fun week. Even though the technical FedEx Cup season is coming to an end, ours is not. We are still going to be showing up on the DraftCast on Tuesday night, drafting for a lot of, as David mentioned, different types of tournaments that guys are still showing up to that we're going to be playing DraftKings and making money on. Did I forget anything, fellas? Oh, yeah. Sports. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.